I just came by to stir your soul up a bit. This is the Perfectly Imperfect Podcast with Regina and Christine, where we share our stories as women openly and honestly. We believe it's through our journeys, our happy and sad times that connect us as sisters, because we're all perfectly imperfect. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Perfectly Imperfect. I'm Regina. (laughs) And I am Christine. (laughs) We're back. We haven't talked to you guys for a little bit. A hot minute. I know. I know. We missed you guys a lot. Trust us. I missed you a ton. We'll have a complete and in-depth update soon in an upcoming episode, But we want to say thank you so much for everyone who has messaged us throughout these past couple months. It means so much to us. Like, honestly, we received so many incredibly heartfelt messages from all of you guys encouraging us to keep going. Uh, We're ready to rock and roll. We've been so excited to release these episodes since November. (laughs) I know, but trust us, it's worth the wait. We were listening to it and we're like, oh my God, this is exactly what we need to hear now too. Exactly. Without further ado, hope you guys enjoy this episode with our very special guest and we miss you and love you guys so much kisses hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of perfectly imperfect i'm regina and i am christine Regina's back in town, so it's been good to have Regina back home. It's always like different when we record in person. Whenever Regina comes back, we get to reconnect with a lot of our old friends for these episodes. And of course, it wouldn't be a complete season of Perfectly Imperfect if we didn't have this person on. Seriously. It was crazy though, because when I saw him today, I was like, I think that in the past four years, like I've seen him twice. Like really? it's crazy. Yeah. Wow. He really doesn't like you though. I know. He's really been trying to avoid me. <laughs> yeah. Cause I see him all the time. So yeah. Sure. Like almost every day. Yeah. Sure. No, I also haven't seen him for a while. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's understandable. But we because, text each other. Yeah. Yeah. We have like group. But we chats. always, I, no, I, he's I, talking I, about me. <laughs> I was trying to include myself. <laughs> Who are you? Why are like, you here? Uh, yeah, I was there too. <laughs> Our guest, I feel like, is always in deep thought somewhere. We were just talking about Jim Carrey because Jim Carrey, like, he's very woke now. Right now. Very woke. His yeah. favorite new word is woke. Yeah. Oh. Hashtag, Hashtag woke. woke. Yeah. Ooh. So I feel like this guest has been in that state of hazy wokeness and trying to figure out all the things before we all get woke. Is that your impression? It Don't is. feel pressured to say yes. No, I, that's a, that's why. That's exactly like what I envision you doing. <laughs> exactly. Like that's sitting in an open field, just like meditating on life. <laughs> Every time I see you, you're always looking out a window. Even if we're outside, you find a window and you stare out. I, I find a window to look inside <laughs> to my house. So then today, our special guest is... Kristin! It sounds like Christine, but it's Kristin. And I think you guys all know that because his voice is the smooth jazz soul. Oh, oh, jazz, jazz soul? Yeah. Um, thanks. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for having me, guys. I am, uh, excited. I'm looking forward to seeing what we uncover. Everyone, has really great podcast projects going on right now and it's hard to you have some uh, no well 
I experimented with Marvin for a little bit, but I could not make it a, a regular thing. So it is hard. Yeah, it's yeah, difficult. it's it's yeah. it's difficult. Well, you have the voice for a podcast. You really do. Like yeah. even Regina, you guys should just read stuff. Yeah, that, once that upon would be a cool. time, that would be cool. <laughs> People are gonna immediately stop listening to this podcast and demand that you guys start that right now. I think you guys do a great job on this podcast. It's really fun and important that you're talking about the stuff that we don't talk about growing up. Thank you. I think Thanks. for us, it's been such a transition and process and just learning even just more about our friends. It's yeah. really unexpected because we're just like, oh, you know, we know Chris. We'd love for him to share his story because, you know, we've known each other for so long. But then as we are having this conversation, it's like, oh, I totally didn't know that about you. Mm. So I think that's been really rewarding. And other people who are listening definitely connect and relate to everybody on some sort of level. So giving context to our relationship with Chris, we've known Chris for a really long time. Yeah. And there's like a period of time where we all worked in the same office and saw each other pretty much every day. Yeah. At least a few times a yeah. week. We yeah. got to scare each other maybe oh, once or twice was, a week. That was so fun. Well, I have a lot I mean, of those videos. They're so fun. <laughs> Chris tried to scare, but he was very unsuccessful because the thing um, was... <laughs> okay, you probably only scared Phil, but then I... Um, uh, I'm going to tweet out a bunch of videos of me scaring you right, right now. <laughs> no, because like you don't really want to instill fear in someone. So you like do it in a really nice way. Oh, yeah, so you don't yeah, really yeah. scare. You're just like, meow. <laughs> it's like a cat, cat yeah. hiss. It's more of a confusing reaction than it is like, oh. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. wait, what is that? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. So we've, we've known Chris for a while and Chris is just a very thoughtful, considerate person who is a true mm. artist. He takes so much care in really thinking it through and digging deeper to find more meaning behind it. So then when he actually is writing a script or, you know, just storytelling, there's so much there. Mm. You walk away feeling like, oh, that's... Kristen. Yeah. Definitely. Thanks, Christine. <laughs> I really appreciate that. It's true. It's true. And that's why we're so excited to have you. Mm -hmm. Jumping right into today's topic, we wanted to dive into our personal relationships with each of our moms and what we've learned about our moms as human beings and what their stories are, as well as how has their role in our lives played into how we see women in general. So Chris, why don't you start us off and tell us how your relationship with your mom is like? Uh, right now, my relationship with my mom is pretty good. Mm -hmm. So we have this little food blog right. oh, that yeah. we do. And the reason I thought that would be fun to do is that it gives us something else to like talk about. Because before, we would run out pretty quick mm. on things to like talk about. Is it more of like the standard type of, oh, cash me up on your life? How's your job? Yeah. Do you guys yeah. go into deeper stuff like, oh, your relationships? Once in a while, we go into that. Mm -hmm. Does your mom like to talk? Because my mom is a talker. Oh, she could your mom's talk a talker? to the wall <laughs> and, <laughs> and convert too. the wall into being a Christian. That's my oh. mom. Yeah. I would then say then maybe compared to that example, my mom's not much of a talker. She prefers to listen. Is that where you get it from? I think that it's a very, very good chance that that's where I get it from. Yeah. Mm. So then growing up, how was your relationship with your mom? And how has that changed since? So growing up, it was more one-sided and there was absolutely nothing to talk about. It was always just like luxury topics. Like she's mm -hmm. like confides in her frustrations and her unhappiness. With you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. You know, she didn't have many girlfriends growing up. But, you know, you can't keep that stuff inside. So she ends up 
getting so frustrated she needs to share mm-hmm. and you know that's a very natural thing because she didn't have anyone that she can call up and like gossip with mm-hmm. which i think is like actually a really really healthy thing mm-hmm. for just well anyone who's anyone, going yeah. through <laughs> any issues i really encouraged her to find female friends in her age range after she and my dad got a divorce i really really encouraged her to just talk shit about my dad <laughs> Because, um, because to get it out, out. because if you can't get it out and you don't talk about the things that are bothering you, Mm -hmm. it will haunt you forever. Yes. Mm -hmm. It stays with you and it morphs into other things too. Yeah. 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 Growing up, did you see your mom as more of a disciplinary figure, like a mom versus like someone you actually had a close relationship with? Like between your parents, good cop, bad cop. Uh, yeah, my mom is good cop then. Mm. Yeah, good cop. And then my dad was bad cop because he was like the scary. Yeah. She, you know, she obviously had a lot of things to say about how my brother and I were behaving, but she was always just taking care of everything uh, around the house and working extra hard, just being a, a super woman in general mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. keep it inside, bottle mm-hmm. up. And then it explodes once in a while and she has to air everything and did a lot of like, you better respect women when you grow up don't ever treat me like your dad treats me type of stuff yeah a lot yeah how did that make you feel because it's your dad did you feel conflicted or did you feel for her were you just like oh mom stop being so like dramatic um no i felt for her i would say generally i took what she said to heart really strongly but i I would have to say i took it in the wrong way because i was like oh never upset your significant other or never make them cry (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but but that's not that's not healthy. That's not conflict resolution. That's mm-hmm. just then me bottling stuff up. Mm-hmm. So I didn't I didn't I learned the wrong lesson. I mean mm-hmm. she was obviously she had a really good point, like don't ever disrespect women. Yeah. You know, yeah. by ever calling them bad names or bad words or even yelling at them. She said, you know, you should never raise your voice type of lectures. Because mm-hmm. she's just like, if you're a decent man, then you should never have to raise your voice. Mm-hmm. Like like your grandfather, because she would point to my grandfather as being a good example. Oh, her dad. Her dad. Mm-hmm. But the funny thing is, is that her dad and her mom would take arguments behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. And so my mom never learned conflict resolution. And then, you know, I learned the wrong lesson, which is, you know, Avoid conflict. Don't resolve them. <laughs> Just avoid them. <laughs> That's actually pretty deep to actually yeah. like be able to realize that. Especially when she made it such a point to instill that like life lesson. Yeah. yeah. When I go back to past memories, it's like, yeah, when we're kids, we don't intake it the right way, obviously, because we're not mentally capable to understand what right. they're meaning. So then we keep that inside. And then when we grow into adulthood, then there's something that we're just like, oh, that's just our personality. But really, it's like we've taken what we've seen as five-year-old. And it's just like, oh, man, don't make her cry. Don't make her cry. You're yeah. a horrible human being. You know, yeah. this is what my dad did to my mom. And I never want to be this person. Yeah. But yeah. how is your relationship like with your mom? Well, I think my mom is actually very similar to yours, where she also bottles up a lot of her emotions and how she's feeling and stuff like that. I think I grew up looking at my mom like she was a superhero as well. Mm. She did everything. She was working at the time. She got her nursing degree while I was like in elementary school. And she always made it a point to have a career that catered around me and my schedule, Mm. which is very difficult, you know, especially now that I'm actually working, you know, like nine to five jobs. And I see other moms who are like, oh, I'm not going to be able to pick up my kid today, blah, blah, blah. My mom used to always be like, when have you ever waited for me after school? (laughs) And Mm. it's true to me. It just like, 
was like, yeah, my mom will just always be there. I think that's kind of how my relationship with my mom always is. Maybe you should give context to like, it was really hard for her to have you. So my mom had actually a really difficult pregnancy with me. Mm. And I think that's one of the reasons why now I'm an only child. It was very physically taxing. Mm. And my parents, they both went to medical school back in China. And when they came here and I was born, my dad was on the path to like recertify in the States. They had to make a decision to be like, all right, if I go and pursue a medical degree to become a medical doctor here in the States, someone needs to stay home and take care of Regina. Mm -hmm. So that was actually something that I always asked her, like, do you regret the fact that like you were never able to become a doctor again? Mm. Oh, so she was a doctor. She was a doctor. (gasps) I didn't know that. Yeah. So she was a doctor too. And she essentially had to give that up because my dad, you know, men quote unquote need to be the breadwinner or whatever. We kind of catered our lives around my dad's work schedule. Mm. My mom got into nursing school here. But then ever since she was a nurse, she worked for a home health agency so that she could work like the eight to three hours, like, you know, drop me off, go see patients all day pick me up, drop me off at school, go home, do paperwork, cook dinner, come pick me up. She still does that. She essentially. She still picks you up. Essentially, yeah. I grew up very close to her. And I would say that my personality is very similar to my mom, which is why we also like fight really hard. Yeah. Because we're both really stubborn. And my mom's very similar to your mom, Chris, where she'll just like, bottle up all these emotions but like i don't think she's found an outlet yet Mm. because even now when i talk about insecurities one of the things that i kind of brought up to her recently was just like my body image issues not to say that my mom was like oh you're not pretty blah but she was always like oh you're really pretty but like oh you could be like a little skinnier there's always like something that's like a oh but and i only recently opened up how much that affected me and i was like well you know i don't I don't like my thighs or I don't like how clothes look on me or how they fit on me. She's like, well, everybody's uncomfortable with their body. Like, it's not just you. Your mom's more of like a matter of fact type of, yeah. like, she's what you think, uh, the stereotype of how dads are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just like, my yeah. parents have that flipped relationship where my dad's definitely more like sensitive. And then my mom's just like very like, well, this is just how it is. Yeah. <laughs> just get over it. Yeah. Just yeah. get over it. Which then I took on and I was like, okay, well, then maybe nothing is really that big of a deal. And I need to just like get over it. Mm. And I feel like that's kind of what's always been instilled in me and so everything even up till now like if there's something wrong or something i'm upset about i'm like oh well i'll just i just need i just need to get over it Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. really not that big of a deal how old do you remember having when you had that realization (laughs) it's like when we started this podcast (laughs) oh oh when you started the podcast well because i think that like i always knew it but like it's different when you actually say it right when you actually process yeah Yeah. and you're like oh how has this actually affected me Uh, yeah chris did you fight with your mom we didn't fight i mean she would lecture and then uh maybe point out certain behaviors or things that i was like not doing correctly did Um, you get in trouble a lot i I remember you telling us stories with you and your brother like just doing stuff on the farm and just doing stupid (laughs) stuff (laughs) well that was actually probably the best thing for us because my mom did tend to coddle when we were living in the city but i was 10 ollie my brother was about seven when we moved to the farm and then we got to just run run amok yeah and just push the boundaries for ourselves and then you know um i thought you were gonna say we're gonna push some chickens and (laughs) yeah yeah which we did show them who's boss we did we did that we lost (laughs) the chickens were our bosses 
<laughs> you followed my schedule. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Feed, feed me now. Okay. <laughs> they put you in the cage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when we behaved badly, it would be either be spanking, but really it was like more isolation. So it's like if we were being lazy and not eating all of our food that we were given, and that's like so offensive to them obviously mm-hmm. it's offensive to anyone who has ever starved in their lives that anyone would throw food away is like understandably so offensive right mm-hmm. so she would do things like make us go into the car garage and then lock us out there until we finish our foods you have to sit there by yourself and eat, eat it everything then... yeah oh. yeah yeah did you try to cheat that no, no that was it was so easy then when were you eating it in the first place because, because the garage was a scary place oh. yeah yeah oh. yeah she would Always like, yeah, make us go somewhere and lock us out until we corrected our behavior. So there was never any like yelling or like disagreements. So there were more than once, I think in the teenage years, I disagreed a little more. Her main thing is we do so much for you and you're being very ungrateful. Mm. And so there's really no argument against that where it's just like, I work so hard, like I'm killing myself and you're doing something, something wrong i would either voice my opinion that it wasn't wrong or just kind of be like okay yeah i feel bad i should i should be better it was a lot of guilt oh okay so did you ever feel like resentment or anger towards her yeah never anger it was always i just always felt bad for her but but not for your dad no i mean now more i mean before Mm -hmm. it was like he was like regina said he was bad cop so it's Mm -hmm. really easy to just dismiss dismiss that you know, maybe he has feelings and emotions, but now, you know, looking back, I mean, I feel bad equally for both of them. Do you think you feel bad because you like visually saw them working really hard or because you knew their backstory? Cause you know, you touched on starvation. Like, so um, they escaped from Vietnam. They, yeah. Yeah. They escaped from Vietnam. So my mom grew up in a better social class. Her dad, my grandfather was a doctor. And then uh, my mom was one of 11 or 12. Oh, oh my god. Kids. Yeah. My mom, she, she grew up very, um, taken care of mm. and she didn't have to work. And so working later in life was a huge adjustment for her. Uh, yeah. And so that's where a lot of the guilt tripping came from. Like I didn't have to work before. Yeah. And now I'm working. Work so you working. better be grateful. Yeah. 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 I think that's a good transition into our mom story. Well, we haven't heard from yeah. your oh. relationship with your mom. Oh, so Christine. <laughs> What What's your current relationship yeah. with your mom like? <laughs> My mom, growing up, she was a very hands-on mom. She was stay-at-home mom, and she took us to school every day and then picked us up whenever she got off the phone, you know? <laughs> All she had here was my dad and his side of the family. And she only knew my dad for like, you know, three to six months before like she married him. And then she had me on their honeymoon. Well, not had, okay, no, like she, I was conceived. Conceived. Yeah. Okay. okay. So then her quote unquote job was to be a mom. Everything that she had to prove to her in-laws and to my dad's side of the family was how well me and my brother performed. And since I was the first child, like she just put everything into me. It was just like school, grades, extracurricular, blah, blah, blah. Right. And then I think. I could relate to both of your guys' stories because being that it was just me and my mom for like four years because my dad was always working. I rarely saw my dad. We were close, but then I always still saw her as a figure, like a mom. Like she was a disciplinary figure to me. I was disciplined by both my mom and my dad, but my dad only came in when I was like really, really bad because mm. I did everything to please my mom and everything was still not enough. And I think at the time, it's like her way to encourage me to do better to drive me to do better but also now looking at it and she's admitted this too where it's like she needed something to brag about 
like I had to be better than my cousins.、Mm-hmm. She was married into the family, so they were all judging her. Going into my teens, we fought all the time, like everything. And I got to a point where I purposely pissed her off just because I like held so much resentment, and I became more and more bold in what I would say to her. So I think that made me feel like ugh, just the wrong sense of empowerment, <laughs> <laughs> and I would say. Really mean things to her, just because. Like just to, how mean? How mean are like, we talking about? So my mom just won't stop. She's like a broken record that can keep going on and on, and it, it gets herself even more mad at the、mm. situation. And to get her to stop, I realized I had to like just go for her throat, you know, <laughs> like like to just say、That's、something、it. really mean,、right. and for her to just like to get shocked. Yeah, to get shocked, and then and then I just I just like wanted something to fight back with, right? Instead of just taking it,、mm. and I would just say stuff like. You know, I wish you weren't my mom. Since she used other kids in comparison to me, I would compare her to other moms.、Oh, you know,、oh, wow. yeah, I became、That's, like that. Wow, like, how, you know how old、what? is this? <laughs> it was yesterday. <laughs> no, was, I, I came out of the, the womb like、yeah. this. You know? <laughs> Um, I I would say like probably when I got into middle school, like probably、oh. after seventh eighth grade is when、okay. I really started to like something changed there. Probably、okay. puberty, <laughs> just really mean things and grew into things like this is why your life is like this because you're not working. You know, you're you're a stay at home mom, and I never want to be a stay at home mom like you because、mm. you're just here to serve dad and you don't have any of your own dreams. You don't do anything. You only like go to church and. You don't even make any money, and so I would say a lot of mean things that just you really knew how to stick it to her. <laughs> Where did you pick up st- this stuff to say to her? It's so specific. Yeah. yeah. Where? How would you have known to use those things? Because those things are feels it feels very mature to yeah. I was gonna use say those. I was really gifted in like shanking people. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I, oh. Okay. Yeah. No. So no. You no. Were doing no. I know. I in life outside. Of <laughs> it's her <laughs> so, side hobby. So you're、yeah. just, you're just a terrible human being. <laughs> No, no, it's like、yeah. these are effective things that you're saying. So you must have been using it elsewhere. Yeah. So I first learned it from watching my parents fight with each other. Oh. Because they are mean. They are so mean to each other. It all comes back to our parents. Yeah, yeah exactly. Ninety nine percent of it. Because you just watch them fight, and then they say stuff, and some things you pick it up.、Yeah. You pick it up, right? I may not understand fully what he insulted my mom with because they're speaking in Mandarin and stuff. I was still learning it as a kid, right? But I would see her reaction to it,、mm. and I'd be like, "Oh, that made her stop, you know, or that made her cry, or、oh、then he,、God. then she would say something back to him, and then that would make him stop." So I think I picked up on those behaviors,、totally. and kind of like who's winning an argument. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then I definitely picked it up from Mean Girls at school too. <laughs> We went into a whole episode about that.、Mm. In a past relationship, I have done couples counseling before,、mm-hmm. and it was the first time I was exposed to the idea that we use relationship tools that we got from our parents because we've spent at minimum a decade, but usually around two decades, closely observing our parents. I mean, if you spend that much. Of your life, observing anything, you become really good at it. Yeah. So yeah. you become really good at fighting the way that your parents fight. It's like you subconsciously pick that up in ways that you didn't know,、mm-hmm. and I mean that probably makes sense as an adult, right?、Mm-hmm. But as a kid growing up, you're just like, I feel anger,、mm-hmm. and how I've seen anger expressed, yeah, through my parents, yeah, it's like just yelling, right? Yeah. So yeah, my mom was extremely stubborn, and my dad was extremely stubborn. So I got twice that amount of stubbornness, and I felt like in my own head because I was a girl and watching how my mom was treated as a woman in my dad's family, and also how my dad. Just saw her as like it's just like a very traditional sense of like I come home you better have stuff cooked, so it was always very like go ask your mom to go do that like cleaning. It's always my mom. So in that sense, I think I've always felt like a chip on my shoulder that 
I was less than. So I had to make up for it by being stronger and more aggressive. So my relationship with my mom was like really tumultuous. Honestly, it, it took me until like my mid twenties to really resolve that reflecting on this episode where she is the most influential person in my life. Though if you were to ask her, she wouldn't say that, you know, cause she wouldn't think that I would say that, but she is. I think like growing up, whatever she said, even if I disagree with it, it went inside, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Everything that she said and still says sticks to me and who I am. Up until my mid-20s, I blamed her for all of that. I was like, it's because of you that I'm like this. It's because of you that you... Mm. But after my mid-20s, which we'll go into understanding our mom's stories, that completely switched. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference between how I saw my mom as like like someone terrifying, but also like, you know that you can like push back. She's so small. So. <laughs> If I were to relate my relationship with my mom, just watch the movie Brave. That's exactly when I okay. watched it. I was just like in okay. tears because I was like, oh, it does. You know? oh, okay. Okay. But yeah, I wanted to go into your mom's backstories and what her story is now looking back as an adult and you see her as a human with actual dreams, emotions and feelings. Do you want to go first, Regina? Um, so as I said earlier, my mom grew up in China. She was the daughter of two medical school professors. Oh my gosh. So medicine really goes Medicine goes, deep. runs oh, deep. Was, okay. Medicine runs deep. On my mom's side of the family, all the women were doctors, all the men were engineers. But going back to her growing up, so she actually had two older brothers, one of whom passed when he was 16 oh. from a brain tumor. Oh. My mom was pretty young when he passed. I think she was maybe 11 or 12. So I think growing up, she just took on a lot of responsibility because she was like, oh my God, this huge tragic thing happened and my parents are obviously hurting. Well, this is how she tells it. So she like took on the responsibility to be the head of the household because her parents were working a lot. So she was like, well, then I should cook and I should clean and all of these things. And so that's why she was always like, you need to learn to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. That was always one of the things that she instilled in me. Mm -hmm. I think that my mom just always did what she thought would be right. So even now, if I were to ask her, what are your hopes? What are your dreams? Like, if you could do anything in the world, what would you do? She's like, be a doctor, be a nurse, like do what I'm doing now. She's so matter of fact. She has like kind of tunnel vision. She's like, well, this is my life. There's no use thinking about other things. And it's not that she's unhappy. She's like very happy. Mm -hmm. It's actually very amazing to see my mom be this like entrepreneur running her own business. Mm -hmm. But the thing is like, it wasn't her idea. Whenever I ask her about it or whenever I ask my dad about it, they both are like, yep, it was your father's idea. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like she lives a lot for me and my dad. Mm. But like, I don't think that she's like consciously making the decision. She's not consciously being like, oh, I'm giving up this to do this for Regina. I think that she's just like, it just comes very naturally to her. Mm. So then when she has a daughter like me, who's always like, when I grow up, I dream about this and I want to do this. She's like, I don't understand that. Like Mm. life is very straightforward. You go to med school, you get a career in something that's stable. You sustain your family That's all there is to life. Like, it's just like a cycle, wheels turning. I think the thing I realized the most is that I wanted to live an extraordinary life. And my mom was very okay with living an ordinary life. Mm. And I think that that was always the biggest miscommunication between the two of us. And it wasn't until only recently that I think she sees my passion in what I'm doing. And she sees how excited I get when I tell her about the podcast and tell her about the incredible conversations and the people that I'm meeting that she was like, oh, I guess you don't need to have that quote unquote normal nine to five job in order to 
sustain yourself. Mm-hmm. It sounds like your mom's a very like obviously practical person. So because everything that you've done thus far has been in lofty dreams mm-hmm. and your mom seems like the type of person that's like well you got to do something about it now what can you do about it now so i can see how you guys both approach that differently mm-hmm. but i also mm-hmm. wonder how deeply affected your mom was by her brother's death the thing is i would say i'm very open with my mom but no matter how much i try to dig like nothing comes out she's just still very like no that's just how it is i wonder how much of the message are we fed that there's got to be something bigger like we have to have these like huge dreams like that's all you hear i think in our generation i'm getting a good dose of that already about like oh you got to dream bigger than that you got to pursue your passions and stuff like that and i'm wondering if in your mom we're meeting a person who pursued their passion and then got there mm-hmm. and then you're expecting because we've keep hearing the same message of like what are you really passionate about mm, yeah like as though as <laughs> though no what they're doing is been, yeah have loved medicine that much right or but i'm just imagining that yeah. i'm like what if your mom she achieved everything that maybe we feel like we're still going for like she had the passion she had the dream it just so happened to line up with her family history mm. but it just also so happened that i guess if you want to call it she what she was destined to do sometimes we feel like what we're destined to do is so misaligned with what we're actually doing mm-hmm. and then everyone around us has a similar feeling and then we get fed that idea through our media reaffirming that feeling we have but what if your mom happened to cosmically be on the right path and she got there? I wonder how that would change your, your, converse, your yeah. perception Instead of it. Instead of being like, no, what really do you love? Right, right. <laughs> See, that, that's Kristen wrapped up yeah. in a nice little bow. Like, that's how he can take, <laughs> he doesn't say anything and takes it in and he's like, but what if? And then he blows your mind. But then, like, does your mom talk about her job and what she's pursued, like, in a very excited way? Or she just is like, it's a job. I think to her, it's just like, it's a job. She's very much so, like, pays the bills. Mm -hmm. I have my own business, so I have flexible hours. I'm cool with it. Yeah, and I think taking in what Chris is saying, like, it makes a lot of sense, too, where she finally had you. And then as a mother, she wanted to be there with you as you grew up. But then she also, you know, helping your dad out and stuff. So she still fulfilled the sense of, like, I need to do what I need to do to help the family. But I still get to be a mom. She kind of found, like, the happy medium. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At least. Sounds like she's a genius. Yeah. <laughs> but then we're also missing Everything her else. in this, yeah, right? Like, yeah. we don't know what she really thinks. But that could just, that could also It could. Be, yeah, I yeah. mean, honestly, when I look at the life that my parents have built, I feel like they did it they achieved the american dream Mm. yeah they started from the very bottom literally knowing that how i think as i'm getting older sometimes i'm like i wonder how my mom felt or how my parents felt when they were my age like i'm hitting the age where my mom was when she moved here and the idea of me having to pick up my entire life to move to a country where I didn't speak the language and have to start from ground zero, like that's terrifying. terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And then it starts to give you a picture of how strong a person has to be to do that. Mm. And then you go like, I'm not that strong. Yes. Yes. That that, that gives you context, Mm -hmm. right? So Chris, (laughs) Chris, tell us your mom's story. I really want to know. You know, so she grew up in a well-to-do family. What was her ranking of her siblings? Like she's the oldest. She's the oldest. Oh, wow. She's the oldest. And she had, I guess, a lot of practice taking care of uh, little kids. So she was always like understood what it was like to be helpful and contribute. She knew her role, like her place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess she was like a good kid. Mm. She went to school 
educated. She helped out around the house, but didn't have to work work. My grandfather, her dad was a little more progressive. And so it was like, oh. all the girls in the family need to get college education, oh. need to go out and work and be self-sustained. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. So he was very encouraging. She had a job after college. And then it was just getting too hard for people of Chinese descent to live in Vietnam after the war was over because mm-hmm. they discriminated against the Chinese and uh, wanted to cleanse the country, you oh. know, is what my understanding is. It's probably there's a lot of things I'm skipping over in there. But um, her family left in, in boats, boat people, refugees. They had to flee the country. They had to flee, in, yeah. How old was she? Uh, the age difference between my mom and my dad is that my mom's 10 years older than my dad. Oh, what? So what happens when you escape a country is that you leave and then other countries around you have refugee centers that accept refugees process you and then find a country that's willing to take you you know there's a bunch of these little refugee camps that pop up all over the surrounding countries because refugees are fleeing and they're being persecuted for being on the american side Mm. one of the most horrific things it was just so much harder for women who were fleeing because there were so many pirates in the ocean that were robbing these refugees because who's going to protect the refugee no one Mm. so that's just like easy money and obviously women historically always suffered the worst because there's in addition to being robbed or maybe you know best case scenario is to be killed my mom would say but being oh. raped and then living after that is like it was so common it's just oh. terrible it was always a dangerous thing she took a bunch of her sisters they had to go in waves so it was like your family splits up and you're like okay my mom is gonna take so-and-so sisters my grandfather is gonna take so-and-so sisters so everyone's splitting up and trying to figure out what the best arrangement is and so it's all girls oh. they have to sneak onto a boat in the dead of night escape the country face pirates it was just like nightmare scenario but my mom did it twice their boat sank and then they had to go back and then swim back they had to swim back and then do it again so for me it's like you're pretty tough if you do it once you're a total badass if you do it more than once because then you know the risk like it's real it's scarier like like, will i make it this time yeah Yeah. long story short she escaped she ended up somewhere in the philippines or malaysia and then at a refugee camp that eventually led to meeting my dad so how old was she and how old was he when they met she was in her late 20s my dad was in his he was like just about to hit 20 and then that's where i was conceived they had a one night stand Technically, I guess you can't. It's not a one night stand because technically they, <laughs> they got married. It's afterwards. not a one night. It was meant to be a one night stand. And then they parted ways. My mom ended up somewhere in the Midwest and my dad ended up in LA. And my dad heard from the community that remember the woman he met at the refugee camp? Well, she's pregnant now and she got kicked out of her host home because they were religious and she started showing and then it was basically like this is so against what we stand for i think you're gonna have to find another place and then my mom of course was trying to keep this thing secret the whole time and she was freaking out it was like a lot of drama and you know probably very scary times for my mom and so my dad heard he's like oh my god Oh, she's pregnant and my dad was never there for me. So I should, I need to be there for this kid. Oh. And so that's what ended up happening. He then felt responsible. Oh. The cool thing that I think I respect the most about my dad is that he was just like, okay, come here. I'm going to do my best to take care of this situation. But my mom not only came with herself, but she came with the sisters that she was taking care of. <laughs> so your parents, did they marry out of love or did they marry because it was the right thing to do? It was the right thing to do. Mm. And from what I understand, it wasn't a marriage. It was like, come stay here. I'm going to do my best to provide for this kid because he's my kid and we should. I don't know if they knew what they were doing. He just, Mm. they just knew that they had to at least provide for this kid that was about to come. Mm -hmm. But there was probably no long-term plan besides like, okay, I'll take care of the kid. Once this kid's 
taken care of. This was never a forever、oh. thing. Was that more so on your dad's side or both your mom and dad? Thought Probably、that? both. I mean, my dad was from such a lower social economic class, and my mom that. Her family was just like, like I don't know if they would accept him. Yeah, I mean,、oh. it was from my mom's side of the story. It was pretty apparent that they were not excited at all that this guy was in her life. Oh, so, I see. Yeah. Wait, so did your parents get married? I think what ended up happening was that. So I was obviously an accident, and then I, I yeah, believe brother, my younger、Ollie. brother was an <laughs>、uh, accident as well. I can't imagine the blurry situation where they're in, where it's just like, I'll take care of it. We're going to live all under the same house, and I'm sure things got blurry、mm-hmm. as they、mm-hmm. always do. And you're just trying to work your way through things, yeah. And you don't、yeah. mean to, but sometimes things happen, you yeah. know. Yeah. And so I think that was why Ollie came along, <laughs> and then、uh, second accident. <laughs> yeah. And so I think after that, my dad was like, "Well, this, <laughs> this is. is、uh, I think this is it. Yeah. So." It's too bad that they had to start this way because I think they made a great business partnership and they were to be able to build a lot out of nothing. It's just unfortunate that they were also married and then all the emotional stuff came from that.、Mm. But it was, I'm sure, it was very hard for both of them because they were constantly like, "Oh my god, I cannot wait to get out of this situation." Once Ollie and Chris go to college, I think this is it. I mean,、oh. my mom felt that way, my dad felt that way, but they would like fluctuate. And, you oh, know, different, yeah,、things. different times.、Mm-hmm. So then, like, as their kids growing up, did you know this? Did you sense this that their marriage was kind of off, or was that just like a reality to you? Like, that's how you saw love. So I just remember feeling really bad for both of them, or just feeling sad that they were angry at each other. I, and then I obviously learned from that. I took those behaviors, and then、uh, only when I'm older did I look back and go, "Oh, yeah, that wasn't normal," or. That's not how my friends' parents acted,、mm, you know.、Mm-hmm. So then, now as an adult, what things did you take with you from watching their marriage? Like, how have you yeah, seen how women、I? and your role as a man? That's a really good question. I think I'm still probably working through some of that stuff. Do you want to get married? I I go back and forth, but right now I feel like I do.、Mm. Or let's just say I'm much more open to it now than I have ever been before because things got so bad between my mom and dad that my mom would always say like, "Trust me, don't ever get married."、Mm-hmm. Is what is what I heard growing up, and my dad was the same thing. Was, <laughs> don't don't get married, don't get tied down, and so I I think I carried some of that with me. And I mean, like knowing you for this amount of time, like you fall deep in love. There's always something you put your heart and soul into the relationship, you know. But for some reason, it just doesn't work out. Which a lot of relationships are like that,、mm-hmm, right?、Mm-hmm. And I know, like, kind of the inside joke of like the friend group is just like, oh, Chris doesn't like he's not gonna get married. He's like、mm-hmm. he's living the bachelor life and stuff,、mm-hmm. you know.、Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's really it because it's from our conversations. Like, you do want to be in love. You do want to be in a committed relationship. Yeah. No. No. I do. I do. I don't. And let's just、uh, be clear: I don't have any desire to、uh, live a bachelor's life. Because it's the same thing with me, where you know I was like, I don't want to get married,、yeah. you know. So they have kind of that impression of just like you're not taking that, your, your relationship、oh, yeah, yeah. seriously in that、right. sense, right? Not wanting to get married equals just want to have like fun,、yeah. probably. To you're a lot not of looking for like this person that you're with, even though you've been with this person forever, doesn't、yeah. mean that like because it's not going to be a marriage,、yeah. so it's not really real. Yeah, yeah. But that's not how we feel. No,、know? no, no. Yeah, I, yeah. We don't feel that way. I feel like. It's important 
to build a long-term life partner relationship. And if, if my partner ends up really wanting to get married, then yet, then that's going to be an automatic yes for me. Mm-hmm. If I'm with a life partner who's just like, no, no, I, I want to stay committed, but I don't need marriage. Then I would be cool with that too, as long as there is a, a serious commitment about it. Mm. So Regina, how do you think that the role that your mom plays affected how you saw women and how you see yourself? My mom has always been a very strong woman. So I think that that's always something that I strove to be. I wanted people to be able to rely on me. I strive to live a very perfect life to keep this perfect image. Which a lot of pressure for you. And it's a lot of pressure, which I think in turn has affected a lot of my romantic relationships, right? Like I'm always afraid to fail. And since the chances of that are so high, I don't want to jump into something and then have it not work out and then disappoint my parents in that way. I just Mm. think that every aspect of my life, I feel like I can cover it. I like, I got this. And that's like the one thing that I'm like, oh, I don't want to seem weak. I I don't want something to fail that seems very seemingly out of my control. And Mm. so there are a lot of things in my life that I I like to have control over. And I want to continue to show them like, yes, I have control over these like pawns and I can make you proud. I can see how like you got that from your mom. Yeah. Like the one lesson that she wanted you to learn is to be self-reliant. Like Mm -hmm. you can do it. And then if one part doesn't work out, then that just shows that you didn't learn the lesson that she wanted you Mm -hmm. to at least have. And yeah. And kind of going back to that, like the episode that we did with Mimi, which was like happiness, Mm -hmm. they prided themselves on being able to make me happy that I am scared to be sad or scared to not portray that image because I don't want them to ever feel like, oh my God, we worked this hard just for her to come here and be unhappy. Are you sure their goal was to make you happy? Is that your interpretation or were they trying to make you stronger? The difference between what they were trying to teach you versus what you interpreted. Because mm. sometimes we read their action and we think that we're supposed mm. to learn. or we're, yeah. yeah, so... What do you think? What what makes you think that they were goal was to make you happy all the uh, time? Well, not even just like to make you happy, but that you couldn't be sad. Um, I don't know. Like, I think their de- goal was definitely to make me happy. That's mm. one thing. Like, they're like, we gave up all these things so that we could provide like a happy life for her. Mm. That was like their main thing. Then I think that <laughs> through the first gen guilt trips, I'm yeah. like, oh, we couldn't even buy this. We had to ride our bike and then we had a flat tire. You know, all yeah. of those stories were like, well, you should continue to strive to be happy because we worked this hard for you to be happy Mm -hmm. and then i think with happiness it was like oh well you need to be self-reliant like what if you get in a relationship it doesn't work out like you need to be your own independent woman and do things for you because that will make you happy and then now it's just like the pressure Mm -hmm. you know how we say like our parents when they push us to be in in the traditional like asian american sense like to be doctors and lawyers we interpret that as oh if we're not that then we're not successful therefore they don't think as highly of us or might even interpret as they don't love us as much you know we failed them but then ultimately when you look at it they didn't want you to starve they wanted you to be stable Stable, and they they think that leads to a happier life right they're like oh well then you don't have to worry about money therefore you can buy what you want then you can find a husband or wife and then you guys can have kids and those are the, all the elements to being the leading a happy life because honestly when they're telling you that that's what they're pursuing at the time i'm not saying that nobody's happy but i feel like they're also selling themselves that story ultimately don't worry you'll get to a point where you're just happy every day like it'll, it all makes sense one day you know and mm. of course there's rough times so as they're selling it to you they're selling it to themselves so i think in, in this situation you and your parents i kind of see it as everything you're saying makes sense they 
of course they want you to have, why would they want you to have an unhappy life, mm-hmm. you know? And given how much they've struggled, just like your parents, like Chris, like your parents to get to even just having you and raising you in this world. Yeah, obviously they want us to have a better life than they did, right? Mm-hmm. But the way that they're saying and the way that they're communicating because of the language and culture barrier, we want you to appreciate what you have because we don't want you to be lazy. Mm-hmm. You know, we want you to see what hard work is like so you can fend for yourself. Reinterpret it as in like, we cannot deviate from that. We have to be that, if not even more so to prove to our parents that everything that they sacrificed was worth it, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't think if you read in between the lines and you read into like the hearts of our parents, really just coming from a place of love. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if they knew that we were holding things inside and it was making us more upset, like we were becoming more robotic or we didn't know how to process and deal with relationships with other people, resolve that, mm-hmm, I think that would hurt them more. They may not even know that. That's what I'm really realizing with my parents. They're kind of repeating what they heard mm-hmm. and, is, is and they're just trying to figure it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My biggest takeaway from watching my mom and my dad now, I feel like the older they get it seems like they're regressing because they didn't deal with their feelings and resolve things from when they were teenagers Mm -hmm. and they were forced to make decisions because of either the culture told them to or they thought they had to and they were appeasing their parents and they suppressed all of that and i think now that like my parents are both in their 60s they're starting to figure it out Mm -hmm. and my biggest takeaway from that is like i don't want to wait till i'm 60 to start figuring it out I'm going to take from what I see them as human beings and seeing the evolution of what they're learning and apply it to my life now. Mm-hmm. More so on my mom, that as a woman, age does not stop you from evolving. And I think my mom now in her 60s is finally emerging, emerging, mm-hmm. like kind of just like awakening. She's woke. <laughs> yeah, bring it back to woke, you know? What, what about your mom? <laughs> what was the biggest thing that you guys have learned from your mom? Definitely agreeing to disagree. Especially having grown up in such different circumstances. Chris, like your family was escaping the war. You know, my family grew up under communism. What they knew to be reality is so different from what is our understanding now. The most important thing is to try to understand where that person is coming from. Seeing them as humans, seeing them as people with flaws, not always having to be on the same page. Mm -hmm. The different mindset actually challenges you to be like, is this really what I believe? Or, oh, hey, that's actually a really good point that they made that I didn't think of because we're not in that situation or we didn't have that upbringing. Mm -hmm. So agreeing to disagree is just, that's the biggest one I would say. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. What about you, Chris? My biggest takeaway is like, if you disagree, try your best to imagine a world where they're right. And then see how that feels. And I wonder what what insights you'll have into your parents yeah. would be my thing. And I think like if you don't know the context to your parents' story, you should definitely ask. Yeah. And if, if you don't get it from them, get it from like your uncles or aunts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They will, they'll, they'll tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's how talk. I like first got Same context here. to my... Yeah. I think that's the biggest step to humanizing your parents. Because if you don't know their story, then you don't know your own story. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think... If you want to have fun and like get to know your parents in a fun way, start off with the dating stuff first. It's like, hey, who did you date growing up? And like, how did it go? And why didn't it work out? That's like a safe place to start Mm -hmm. because it's potentially where you can laugh about things. They're probably more willing, some, not everyone, more willing to talk about that stuff first because it's a little lighter. Mm. Instead of saying like, hey, what was it like during the war? It's like too heavy. (laughs) It's like too much to get into right away. But when you start with the lighter stuff, it could be a good place to start. Go in where they kind of brag about 
Because you know that then they want to talk about yeah. it. Yeah. So they brag about like, oh, how they did well in school or like, yeah. exactly. you know, yeah. like they were your grandpa's favorite kid. Go in with that. Yeah. Yeah. And then you start digging. <laughs> you gain their trust and yeah. you dig. And then you, oh my God. Yeah. She even used like the motion of a knife yeah. doing that. Dig down to their soul. <laughs> so it can escape out of the jail that it's been in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh You're releasing God. it. Yeah. You're freeing it. Yeah. yeah. And I think like also I always grew up with a more immature mindset that, oh, it's their job to get to know me. Like, mm. it's their job no, to understand. No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, when they didn't understand or try right. to understand, I'd just be like, you don't love me. You don't get it. Right, you know? right. Yeah. But then now, as you got you get older, it's like, no, it's a two-way thing, you yeah, know? And, yeah, And honestly... Honestly, they did their job. You didn't starve <laughs> ever. You don't know what the pains of hunger feels like in your life. It's true. That's, yeah. that's the reality. You know, what has really helped me is that this holds true beyond just like even parent relationship. But it's like, if you want to be friends with your parents, you want to understand them like that, yeah. then treat them like your friend with the context of, I really want to know you. I'm going to talk to you with respect because I care about you and... Are you, are you okay? Are you hurting? Like really caring for them beyond just like, oh, you assume that they're fine because they're your parents. If your mom came back from a hard time at work, ask her about that. Really dig in. How's work going? And oh, I noticed that, you know, you've been coming back more tired lately. Just talk to them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they just need to be totally. asked. Yeah, just yeah. asked. Yeah. Ultimately, your parents just whether they know it or not, they just want to spend quality time with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they don't know how a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. So that's right. It's really on you, but it's I don't want to put that as like it's a burden. It shouldn't be. No. It'll enrich your life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The best way I can show them respect is by really respecting what they've been through and knowing their story and spending time with them to, to know them, their fears, their worries, what makes them happy. So then, if I know that then I can better do that. I can better fulfill that role as a daughter. So I think it's the little things in how you can start having a better relationship with your parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Thank you so much, Chris, for coming on our podcast and sharing so openly. I think that it really brought in a very interesting perspective because, you know, a, a daughter's relationship with their mother is so different from a son's relationship. Mm-hmm. It feels so good to be in a room with two other individuals that I really admire and and know that we all went through that same struggle of not knowing how to communicate properly, not really fully understanding our parents' story, and seeing how each of us are working on furthering that relationship together. Mm-hmm. What I admire the most is that we're all in a space now where we're still processing what it yeah. means. It's not to say that I have the answers or you have the answers. It's just like, let's talk about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So thank you for bringing that perspective and enlightenment and just always being in thought about it, you know, processing it and asking yourself those questions. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I hope everyone out there is just kind of taking time to have these conversations too. I like this podcast because we all are learning so much about each other and then it helps us reprocess what we're going through. Thanks guys. Uh, so where can our listeners find you? Nowhere. 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 Chris doesn't exist. Okay. I'm in hiding. It's a figment of our imagination. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you? Where can, what are you, where? I am. (laughs) You post on Instagram once in a while. Yeah. Once in a long while. If you want to find me, find your parents' story. Oh. That's where I I am and where all of us are. (laughs) Um, uh, don't find me. I don't want to, I don't want to be found. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, that's totally cool. When you find yourself, we will find you as well. Yeah. 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 That was very beautifully said. That sounds good. Yeah. All right. Okay. Thank you so much again for being here. Thanks for having me. Good luck editing this. Oh, God. I know. (laughs) We've been recording for four hours. (laughs) So we will see you guys next week. Bye. 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 (laughs) Say bye as well. (laughs) 